Davis steps under center. Gibson and McClendon behind it. Davis with motion by Richard. Will get the ball to McClendon. He leaps. Oh, he doesn't get in. He fumbled the football. Carolina holds. The game is over. And Carolina has won the game. Finley to throw. Over the middle. Intercepted. Wolfuck again. Wolfuck the other way. At the 30. The 40. Wolfuck to midfield. Miles Wolfuck with the pick. The heels on the doorstep of an enormous victory. Left side of the line. Hood standing to Williams' is right. Williams going to throw. One-on-one. Davis has it. Touchdown. Carolina wins. Carolina is the Coastal Division champion. Bernard fields it at the 26. Heading to the far side. Gio at the 35. Gio, he's at the 50. No, he's not. Yes, he is. Gio, he's going to take it for a touchdown. Are you kidding me? Connor Barth for the possible win. Snap. Spot. Kick away. High enough. Long enough. Tough Blog Podcast. Hey guys, and welcome in to another edition of the Heel Tough Blog Podcast. It's Anthony Pagnata back with you guys after the first week of the college football season, the first week that the Tar Heels were back on the field. And it wasn't quite as comfortable as we would have thought early on, but Carolina pulled away, ended up actually covering the spread with a 31-6 victory over the Syracuse Orange in Keenan Stadium, an empty Keenan Stadium that uh, was a weird environment. We thought it could take these guys some time to settle in. It definitely did, but once this team settled in, they looked much better in the second half against a Syracuse team that they probably should have beaten pretty handedly. Yeah, it was a uh, it was an ugly first half to say the least. I guess you could expect that to be in the first game of the season and all that. But Carolina didn't look as sharp as we thought they were going to look early on. The offense never got into rhythm. The defense from the first quarter through the fourth quarter was consistently making plays and whatnot. But that fourth quarter, I think. Uh, I think that's the thing, the difference between this team and and, and a couple of uh, other teams in the past. They're better at finishing games under Mac Brown, under Brian Hess as, a, as the strength and conditioning coach than they ever were under Larry Fedora. They were more fresh in the fourth quarter. That's why the running game finally got going. They got bigger push up front. Mm-hmm. I'll open up the running room for uh, Javante Williams to get in the end zone three touchdowns. But Mac Brown said something after the game that uh, really caught my attention. He, he said that we saw the chance that we can be pretty good. And we know this team can be pretty good, but they've got to learn to play to a standard for six minutes you're not going to win a lot of games only playing the fourth quarter like they did on Saturday yeah I think uh, that was pretty well said by the head coach of the Tar Heels because uh, yeah that first half was pretty rough especially on the offensive line of course you did your trench report I know a lot of people were really very critical of the offensive line did you think that they deserved the criticism that they received to start that game I mean you know once we found out that Izuda wasn't going to play I think our whole expectation for how that that position group was going to play changed, right. but 
it still wasn't very encouraging. We had to put a junior walk-on player on, and that actually lifted your play. No disrespect to Kirion Johnson, but guys that you have scholarships that you've recruited, mm-hmm. and that you know that you think you're a lot more comfortable than being on the field, weren't getting the job done. Then in the second half, a lot of it was maybe just because Syracuse was was tired, and they were able to just push them around a little bit more. But that, you know, untimely penalties. Brian Anderson had a big holding penalty on a big run play in the first quarter that killed yep. a drive. Yeah, you know, so they they have a lot of stuff to clean up and you know we've we've talked a lot since Saturday before we got on here when Mac Brown hired Stacy Searles there was a lot of mixed reviews about the hire right and I think you're starting to see why because this offensive line even though it was only one game they didn't look as crisp as they needed to look on Saturday yeah I mean uh, there's definitely got to be some concern especially on the left side of that line where you just saw multiple times where it looked like miscommunication between mm-hmm. uh, both Richards and Montillas uh, it's really concerning to me that Montillas was as bad as he was because remember Ed Montillas was a guy that started seven games a year ago and now, you know, we saw him on Saturday. He looked like a guy that's never started a game in his career. It was a completely different player than even a year ago where pretty much the reason he was taken out of the lineup a year ago was that he couldn't pass protect as Zudu could, and that was pretty much the reason that they went with the Zudu over him. Uh, now, this looks like, you know, that first game, and again, it's the first game, it's been a long and confusing summer unlike any other, but you get replaced, as you mentioned, by Kieran Johnson, who uh, I thought did a fantastic job playing, you know, above what he should normally be playing at. That was not a situation that he was probably prepared for, uh, um, but he came in and played very well, uh, about as well as you could have hoped for him to play, and really energized uh, this offensive line. I mean, I kind of compared it to when Roy Williams kind of sends in some of the blue squad guys to try to get guys going. Stillman White a couple years ago. Remember Robbie O'Han, he did that last year in the game against Georgia Tech. It had a very similar type of feel, uh, and that's, I think, the biggest concern going forward for Carolina, especially, you know, when you get into ACC play, that early part of the schedule in ACC play where you've got Boston College who rushes the passer well every year. You've got Virginia Tech who rushes the passer well every year. And I don't think you can wait every week until the fourth quarter to yeah, you, get yourself going through the air. You can't. And they're on not the good enough to wait till the fourth quarter to turn it on. Yeah, you can win games against Syracuse yeah. like that. You can probably win games, you know, later in the year against Wake Forest and maybe NC State like that. You don't want to have to do that. You want to be able to have a comfortable lead at halftime and sort of cruise down the stretch. And I mean, it's weird to be talking about this in a 25-point victory where we saw pretty much all of the offensive backups. But, I, I mean, you just you feel like Carolina could have made a, a little bit of a stronger statement in this game. I still think it's a good win. It's the first game of the season, so I'm not overly concerned. But at the same time, I, I just, I, I'm not on the train that I think Carolina right now is exactly what we were expecting to see from them coming out of the gate. No, um, this team still, they have a lot of work to do if they want to be legitimate contenders to, to compete for the ACC championship game. Um, your defense gave up six points, and you were only up four going into the fourth quarter. Yeah. yeah. That's, your defense is not going to give you this week in, week out. You, you, you wouldn't think. They're, I think they have potential to be much better than not, any they're year They're not going to be prior. shut down week in, week out. Right. You're not going to give up 200 yards every week. 
No, that's no, the, you know, that's definitely. And if we do, then we should probably be on the precipice of the college football yes. playoff, considering the offensive talent that we have on this football. So the one in uh, the defense kept them in the game because they gave Syracuse a lot of manageable field positions at times with, right, with the turnovers right. and stuff like that to where if Syracuse could have put a couple of drives together, they could have actually been leading that game going in the fourth quarter. The defense stood up. That's not going to happen every week. It's just not. You need to be able to put points up early and often, and they, they weren't able to. Um, but it's the first game. A lot of this overreaction is just the fact that I haven't had a lot to complain about for six months, and now I have something to complain about. And I was pissed off at the – I thought the game plan was bad for the first three quarters. I didn't understand. We came on here talking about how Carolina's going to establish the run, and they came out air raid that first quarter. Well, and they couldn't establish the run either when they did try to establish the run because, as you mentioned, you had the long run from Michael Carter that gets called back, and then after that they just couldn't seem to find any sort of running lanes at all. Uh, Pretty much the only time they were gaining yards is if Javante Williams was just powering his way through guys. Um, so again, I mean, I don't know, you know, how much of the game plan was altered due to what they saw from the offensive line. I- I'm not really sure, but I'm kind of with you. I think that uh, you know they 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 need to establish the run more often early on, allow that to open up your passing game because this year. Unlike in prior years, you're going to see a lot more, uh, you know, teams double teaming guys like Daz Newsome, Deami Brown, trying to make you know somebody else make a play. Your running game, even when they do load the box against you, if you have good enough run blocking, you can you can still run the football. And I think that's what they've got to do uh, going forward. Um, you know, I think the other big concern that a lot of people had, and legitimately so, was the special teams unit. You had uh, Grayson Atkins who wasn't bad, you know, made a 31-yard field goal, made all four of his extra point attempts, but missed from 50. Um, you know, again, we, we're not going to really, you know, roast a guy for missing from 50, but this is a little bit concerning because this is kind of why he was brought in, was because he was a guy that could make long field goals. You were hoping that he would be able to extend your range. I'm not saying that there's a lot of concern yet for him, but I think it's definitely something to note. And then don't even get me started on the punch, punt coverage unit, which um, was just atrocious. I think, and this is this is me just standard football wise. Once you get inside the forty, unless it's fourth and you know five or six or longer, my mind says we're going to go for it and you know and live with the results. I think that's what Carolina Carolina should be comfortable at fourth and four from the thirty eight or the thirty three going for instead of selling for three points. Well you'd like to have a kicker that you wouldn't have to worry about that. So I you would can just, put up as many points as you want. I would just rather say just stay aggressive, stay I mean unless it's like a one possession game we need those three points. I would just say we're going for it. Once we get inside the forty yard line, if it's fourth and manageable, my offense is going for well, it. Well that's the problem with him missing the fifty yard field goal. At the time also, you were still in a close game. You were in a game where you hadn't played well. You thought to yourself, okay, points seem to be at a premium here because both defenses are playing very well. That's where I'm I'm concerned because that's the thing. There are going to be close games later in the year where you're going to have to make a field goal from 45 yards or further. Yep. And you've got to be able to make those because, I mean, look, we've seen it before. I don't think Noah Ruggles is a guy that's making those deep kicks. So Grayson Atkins has to be that guy. Again, he wasn't bad, but you would like to at least see as the year goes along some of those you know, 45, 50-yarders find their way through the uprights. Um, punk coverage, 
I, I mean, look, if they don't get the punt called or the return called back on, on the block on Kiernan, yeah. Um, you know, I thought he looked fine. He punted very well. Uh, average 45.5 yards per punt. He's fine. The coverage unit, which we heard was they, they were hoping was going to be better because of, you know, the added speed, everything like that, they looked a step behind. And, you know, hopefully that's something that they can get corrected the next time that we see them. I understand, and, and it, it's a legitimate argument that, you know, they don't really practice special teams as much as they practice the offensive and defensive side of the football in practice. Makes sense. But at the same time, you know, as you you talked about your defense is not always going to be able to give you the type of performance that they had uh, in this game to open the season. You're going to get beat up. You're going to have guys that are going to be injured. There's going to be times where teams can move the football on you. Your special teams unit has to be able to help out your defense by giving them a field to protect. Yeah, no, yeah, no. Um, and luckily for us, they called the penalty on the punt return because that wasn't that wasn't a block in the back. That should have been a touchdown. Was then. it a block in the back or was yes. it a blindside block? No, it was blindside yeah. block. And it Which was, again it, it was is a bad call. so confusing. It's it's an it makes no sense. The um, rule basically, if you don't see the guy, then it's apparently a blindside block. I don't really understand that rule. So they got bailed but, out by ACC refs, but you know, uh, I you mean, Mac Brown. Fired it'll the, come. The, it'll come back. Well, okay. Later in the game, your quarterback gets hit helmet to helmet by a guy that leans down with his shoulder and purposely hits him in the head, and they didn't call it. So the ACC refs always find a way to make it up. Uh, you know, again, something that you probably shouldn't be complaining too much about. But when they're saying they want to protect players' safety in terms of everything that's going on with concussions, that one just doesn't make a whole lot of sense to me. Uh, the last thing I guess that we'll talk about cleaning up wise, I think you know this is the first time in a while. I thought towards the end of last year they got it fixed. First time in a while that we saw real concerns with the penalties, 9 for 91. Um, really, a majority of that was in the first half, so I'm not really overly concerned about that as the season goes along. Uh, I also think that more than likely we're probably going to see more penalties called this year because you don't have the home crowd that could play a factor in it. You don't have, um, you know, there's, there's a chance to focus on more stuff, I guess, as referees, but um, I think it's still an area that uh, you got to be observant of, and I think Mac Brown probably has been talking about that a lot this week and as we go into the next couple of weeks. Yeah, no, nine for eighty, not nine for ninety-one. That'll that, that'll kill you a lot of weeks. Um, they were able to overcome it because they were playing a inferior opponent and a team that took eight penalties yep. themselves. Just, that's it, not going to happen it didn't every hurt week. That you were playing so. an opponent that wasn't as mentally smart as as you were on Saturday either, but. That's that's the part of them getting better that you know mm-hmm. Mac Brown is stressing. It's not just always the execution of of plays on offense and defense. It's it's the bad penalties that that kill you. That that holding on Brian Anderson, that game could have been different if that penalty had not occurred because that that was going to be first right. and goal from like the two yard line. You're probably gonna you're gonna score a touchdown. You'd imagine. How does the game go from there? You don't know because you held. So. You know, they you know they, they got they got to play smarter but first time out there real game situation you weren't playing against yourself it was expected it's something that we'll have to monitor though when they, when they when they get back on the field through the rest of the season yeah and uh you know look it wasn't all negative I mean the way we've been talking we sound like we lost the game we won by 25 um, I think the first thing when you talk about the positives uh you know the running game for Carolina really got going late in the game uh, it wasn't as productive as they probably would have liked early on on, but once that offensive line settled in, uh, you had the tandem of Michael Carter, Javante Williams, who had big days. Javante Williams, three touchdowns. 
in the game, all of them coming in the fourth quarter, and those were his only three carries of the fourth quarter, so very efficient for Javante Williams, and uh, you got both him and Michael Carter, but hey, Javante Williams is our offensive player of the game this week on the Heel Tough Blog podcast after just a sensational performance. Yeah, I mean, he... He, you know, was just able to run over opponents. Pretty much what we've come accustomed to the healthy version of Javante Williams. Michael Carter, yep. to me, looked faster on Saturday. He was able to get the corner. Get the I edge. agree. More decisive as yeah. well, I thought. Um, whenever he found his hole and he attacked it, you saw the speed to get long runs. That's kind of been the complaint about him is he was never able to break off long runs. He had the one, of course, that got held. And he had seven carries for 78 yards. So, right. you know, averaging 11 yards a pop, that's that's really good. So the, the running game in that second half was a lot better once the offensive line was more settled in. You wore down the Syracuse front. And I think, it's, you know, that might be Carolina's game plan is maybe they're going to be pass-heavy early on because you've got Sam Howell right. and all those targets in the second half and in that fourth quarter. They're going to be tired, and you can just line up and shove the ball down their throat. And I'm okay with that as long as it gets you winning results. Well, the thing is, is that that has to be the game plan when you're winning games. When Mm -hmm. you're losing games, you can't run the ball as often because you're going to be taking time off the clock. So, you know, they've got to kind of manage that. That's why I think you still have to run the ball early against some of these opponents once your offensive line can sort of get settled down and get out of the gate a heck of a lot quicker than they did this past week. Uh, You mentioned Michael Carter, uh, not only 78 yards on the ground, 60 yards receiving as well. Very good day for him uh, after, of course, last year having over 1,000 rushing yards, 1,000 all-purpose yards, so uh, you're expecting another season like that from him. He also looks like he may even be a bigger part of this passing offense here this year, especially if the offensive line still continues to struggle and they have to get the ball out quickly. Um, you know, d- Wide receiving-wise, I think Carolina looked pretty strong as well, along with uh, quarterback Sam Howell. Um, look, I mean, he threw two interceptions. The first one, I didn't really think was that his fault. I know Somebody was saying that, uh, you know, he put it into a tight window. That's his own fault that it got intercepted. Uh, no, that's how football works. Quarterbacks are supposed to fit balls into tight windows. The thing is, is if a guy gets, you know, comes up and just makes a good defensive play, like the Syracuse corner did, deflecting the ball and it was eventually intercepted, there's really nothing you can do in that situation. It's okay to say, okay, we got beat by a guy that just made a play. On that one, I thought the second interception a little more concerning, but he bounced back from that. Really, in that in that second half, uh, late in that third quarter, into the fourth quarter when he was in the game, he looked perfectly fine. Looked like the Sam Howell that we knew. He made the throws when he needed to, and I still think, uh, you know, some people, and this is going to be what we're going to be monitoring pretty much all year, uh, some people say, well, you struggled a little bit against Syracuse. That probably means that you still have no shot. You have absolutely no shot to win the Heisman. Uh, if you're still, you know, one of those people that is holding out hope that Sam can win the Heisman, like we are as well, uh, I don't think this is something to be overly concerned about. No, I mean, you know, the two interceptions aren't off to a good start. We went through seven last year. The one, not your fault. The defensive back made a play. The second interception looked like something that Trevor Lawrence did last year. He just wasn't seeing the field early on in the season. Right. Sam Howell's going to have those where he's just going to not – he's not going to make the right decision all the time. That was that interception there. But he was 25 of 34 for 295 and a touchdown two picks. Yeah, I mean, it's, I mean it's, that, you know, that's, that's pretty you, you, solid numbers. You if take you, away the two interceptions. Take not, away one interception. Yeah, you're, you're not still, feeling bad about his performance. Yeah. So, um, the, the passing game is not going to be a problem as long as protection holds up. They're going to get the ball out to their right. guys, and they're going to make plays. And he's developing even more targets. Your guy that you were pointing out on the podcast last week, Garrett Walston, 
Good game for him. Ends up catching the opening touchdown. Uh, Choffrey Brown looks like he can be a significant part of this wide receiving core this year. And then you combine it with all three of your major guys. I mean, the guy that had the worst day was Daz Newsom. He only caught two passes for 25 yards. But your other two guys that were you were used to throwing to a year ago had big days. Deami Brown, six catches, 94 yards, which... I don't know about you. Kind of quiet. Snuck, yeah, kind of snuck up on me. Uh, he had a big catch, uh, of course, late in the game. He had that 38-yarder uh, on one of the fourth-quarter drives. But I thought he had a pretty good day as well with the targets that he did see. And same thing with Bo Corrales. He had five catches for 47 yards. So you feel very comfortable with this group that Carolina has right now. The depth is already starting to show uh, on this offensive side of the ball. I think, you know, if you can get that offensive line shirt up, which we've talked about so much, I think you're going to have a chance to have a lot of success. When you move to the defensive side of the ball, I mean, look, the statistics are crazy. I mean, they let up 202 yards, the least amount of yards they've let up in a game since the Butch Davis era. Um, I mean, everybody that could have played well, played well. Carolina's linebacking core was phenomenal, led by Chaz Surratt, who is our defensive player of the week. Nine tackles, uh, two and a half tackles for loss, two sacks, two quarterback hits. He was everywhere. And also, a guy that we wanted to see take another step forward this year, he did that to start out of the gate, was Jeremiah Gimmel. I thought he looked fantastic as well. Yeah, the, the linebacking core looked looked as good as they've looked under Jay Bateman in this scheme. They were everywhere. They were making plays in space or not in space whenever the defensive line allowed them to get to the ball and make plays in the run game. So it was a very encouraging effort from this defense. You're not going to give up 202 yards a game week in, week out. Yeah. But you had a right. lot of questions up front about how this team would perform. Now, granted, Syracuse had a lot of questions on their offensive line, but they were still able to be disruptive and give Tommy DeVito hell for 60 minutes, and you allowed the back end of your defense where you know your back seven is going to be good to make plays all night long so they were able to do that um you know we'll move to the I'll, I'll move to the defensive line I thought the defensive line you look at Tamari uh Tamari Fox had a lot of a lot of plays yep Timone Fox was in there Raymond Velasic was a force up front at times didn't make a lot of tackles but, but he was just you could see his presence yeah, he was, was there you know you knew he was day. there whether he was in the back right. or not he was causing right. he was basically a cause and effect the cause of him being in the back for a lot of other guys to come up and make plays Definitely. and when he wasn't Definitely. he was still you know being disruptive up there. So that's the thing that Carolina's got to do right now when you're in the easy part of your schedule is you got to get confidence in these guys. They can make plays when they get up against the bigger opponents. They got to make plays, you know, in, in big situations. Those guys did it on Saturday. Well, their front seven was part of a group that finished with 11 tackles for loss, seven sacks. I know that Syracuse's offensive line was kind of in flux, but that's still pretty impressive for a Carolina team that's really struggled to get after the passer sometimes uh, here in, in, in recent memory. But, uh, yeah, I'm telling you, uh, this group looks stacked. I mean, you got a guy in, in uh, Cayman Rucker, came in, finished with five tackles in his first game. He was a rotational player. Only played yeah. 22 snaps and had five tackles. Mm -hmm. That's really good for a guy that was at, ranked outside of the top 1,000 recruits in this past recruiting class, coming in as a true freshman, having a big impact. Uh, at the back end, some mix-ups. You saw uh, a couple of times Trey Morrison got out of position, got beat. Um, there were a couple other plays early on in the game where they got beat, but they really settled in nicely, and I think it all starts and ends with the guy that we knew was going to be a standout on this defense this year, and that was Storm Duck, who I thought was fantastic on Saturday. Yeah, no, the he he was the one guy that didn't look like he missed a beat at all from last season to this season. I he, think he got better. Yeah, he, I mean, you know, he, he looked 
He was looked all over it. Faster, stronger, making plays. Trey Morrison, of course, got beat a few times. Patrice Renee got beat a few times. But once the defensive line was able to consistently get to DeVito, and DeVito's only 13 of 31. Right. It just, right. it, it, you know, that's the thing. When, when your front seven or even your front three are making plays, it makes it easier for your back end guys to maybe take some chances and make plays, and they did that. And uh, it, was, it, was just, it was a very good step. We're, there's no questions or there's no worries about that position group, not with the amount of talent. And right. there's still, even with the guys that decided to sit up because of COVID, there's still some depth there. You're not worried about those guys at all going into this year. I thought Don Chapman had a good game as well. You guy. Uh, you guy uh, right yeah, there. Yeah, that, yeah that's, that's my guy for Tyler tackles. McMichael, I thought, looked yeah. pretty good, too. He's, he was – I mean, I was shocked how many snaps he got over Patrice Renee. I mean, mm-hmm. Patrice took 15 snaps the whole game. Somebody kind of asked me, you know, why do you think that is? Pretty much I just told him, I think – it mainly is because Kyler McMichael just played that well in yeah. this game. So uh, very encouraged with what we saw from the defensive side of the football. Um, I would say, you know, if you can kind of hold opponents consistently around 300 yards or less in games, I think you feel very comfortable with where your defense is. I mean, especially the if you, if you can even duplicate the way that you were able to slow down their run game three or four times throughout the year in big moments when you're playing these teams that can run the football football well, especially you know late in the season when you're going to play Notre Dame and Miami. If that run defense can show up, you're going to have a really good chance to be very, very good because you trust that your offense, even though they maybe had some stumbles out of the gate, they're going to find their footing, and the way that you played in this game is, is just very encouraging. Yeah, I mean, if you can make teams one-dimensional with the way your back seven is capable of playing, you're going to be pretty tough to beat week in, week out. Unfortunately, we are not going to get to see them this week. That that news came down this morning uh, that Carolina will not be able to play in the game against Charlotte. Uh, the way it is explained as of right now from the Charlotte Observer, multiple sources around the area as well, is that uh, they did have a positive case. Uh, some think it's one. Another group says that it's three. We're not entirely sure. They've on had the exact three within number. the last two weeks. So there you go. So I think one as of right now is still testing positive, but due to contact tracing, they've gone back. They've gone through all the guys that have been in contact with this person pretty much the entire offensive line unit wouldn't be able to play in this game and you can't play without an offensive line so unfortunately that game has been canceled uh as of right now it appears there is no way that they will be able to reschedule that unless something drastic changes that's what we expect um so you know definitely disappointing for Carolina in a game where you felt like they were going to have a chance to once again get out you know some of those early season jitters and potentially be able to get a look at 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 some of the death pieces once again yeah, this was a game that really you were wanting to have because you had your first game, then you have this game, then you're resting, then you're all in ACC play. This was your last chance to really work on things that you need to work on before right. you, you're in a full-blown conference slate. So now you've lost that opportunity. They said they're going to try to find an opponent for September 26th. Don't know how easy that's going to be for them with it just being just over a week away. But, um, it, you know, it really sucks because the relationship Mac Brown and Will Healy had, they're really good friends. He's been yep. mentored to him since he got into the coaching profession. There's a there's a lot of belief that Will Healy could be the next guy in Chapel Hill once Mac Brown eventually retires. They're in-state opponents. So you're wanting to kind of help the little guy out and all that stuff. So that kind of sucks as well. But, you know, this is part of it. We knew playing football during this pandemic was going to be – this was going to happen week in, week out. We've seen it with Major League Baseball. It hasn't been happening in the NBA and the NHL. They're in bubbles. These aren't – they have their form of bubbles, but they're not in an enclosed environment. This is going to be a part of it. And – 
you know, it sucks, but hopefully sometime sometime down the road we'll get to play Charlotte again. Yeah, I think uh, we'll definitely have them somewhere on the schedule here in the near future. Because I, I love like getting by wins over in-state opponents like Duke, Oof. State, and Charlotte. I, I, I mean, uh, I, this felt like it was going to be one of those games, too, because you were going to be going up against a, a transfer quarterback who mm-hmm. never played at the FBS level. Um, it was definitely a significant step up for Charlotte, even from last week. Uh, you thought your run game would be able to get going against a team that allowed 308 yards on the ground last week. Um, but, unfortunately, everything is going to be put on hold. Uh, as for the opportunity next week, uh, I think they're going to search hard. Uh, there was an article that was released, I think it was last night, kind of detailing how Baylor and Houston pretty much did a, a, a similar thing, getting mm-hmm. a game scheduled 10 days in advance. Um, that's part of what you're going to have to be prepared for this year. So I fully expect that Carolina is going to look for another game. Um, it, one of the opponents that somebody said they know is free is Clemson. I would like to avoid that yeah. at all costs. That mm-hmm. would not be a good team to play uh, after uh, you know having your struggles a little bit against uh, the Syracuse defensive line. I don't think the offensive line would want to see Clemson rolling into town. But uh, I, of course, I think they're going to do everything that they can to try to get another game on the schedule. Whether it's here, whether it's uh, it's you know later in the season. I know they have another buy. Maybe they possibly try to fit it in there if they have some chance. Uh, but I think the biggest thing and, and the one that's the most concerning for me is I don't know if this team, after you know getting themselves in season mode, is now ready to take time off. Which I mean, you you got to think if there's not a game played next week, they're going to go almost three weeks without playing a game. Yep. I, I don't know how I feel about that in terms of carrying momentum over, building on some of the stuff that you did in that first game, it feels like you would almost be completely restarting. Yeah, you know, you're exactly right. I think, I'm with you, I think they're going to push really, really hard to find a game to play the 26th. I think that bye week that you have in November, you want you want to save that bye because that's the game in between, right before you play Notre Dame, you want that week off. Right, plus that's also a Friday game mm-hmm. against them, so you would prefer not to have to play them. Right. But so I, I think they will push extremely hard to find an opponent next Saturday, whether it's a, you know, maybe you play another ACC school, maybe you don't count as, a, as an ACC game. You just you don't know. Right. But, you know, I, th- I think that's the, the, the more better option for this team because, right, if, if you don't play, you're kind of back almost like if you're in preseason camp again. You're kind of just yep. going through the motions and you got to ramp it up the week that you'll play at Boston College. So it'll be interesting to see. But I think they will be proactive in trying to find a affordable opponent. Yeah, I think. I think you're 100% right on that. Uh, I would not be shocked if uh, there is some news released on that here uh, probably today or even tomorrow, uh, but we'll just have to wait and see where Carolina goes uh, with that. Um, the good news is is that as of right now, it appears all of our guys are doing what they need to do. We're not saying that Charlotte wasn't. It seems like you know it's only one guy, so you never really know what's going to happen, but Carolina is taking care of what they need to take care of uh, out of the gate. So uh, Of course, I'm going to end up uh, I'm going to write an article about that a little more in-depth, maybe look at some of the teams that have open weeks coming up, teams that Carolina could potentially approach. If not, uh, you know, next week will be a little strange because we're not going to have a game to recap. We're not going to have a game to preview, um, but we'll still be covering uh, some of the news that's going on. I know we're very interested to see when Joshua Zudu is going to come back. Uh, Mac Brown said after the game on Saturday he doesn't believe that it's a long-term injury. Um, I think the plan 
probably was for him to just wait until they played Boston College. Right. I'd be very shocked if they were going to roll him out there against Charlotte, a team that you would feel like you could probably rest him against. But uh, you know, we'll just we'll see. You know how healthy this team is if they can get him back. Uh, no, really, no other really concerning injuries. There were a couple other guys that were out of the lineup uh, for the game on uh, on Saturday, but I think uh, Carolina is uh, looking to be in pretty good shape. It's just now. Uh, let's see how their mental toughness is tested here uh, with them having to get back on the field uh, after three weeks of pretty much being uh, outside of game preparation. Yeah, yeah. Like I mean, that's that, the thing. So. The mental aspect of the game. They're they're going to get challenged again if they don't find an opponent for the twenty or, or you know for the twenty six because you're going to have to just juggle having almost three weeks off. How do you stay mentally sharp? You know, fit and avoid being a college student trying to get COVID nineteen. So. Yeah, well, the good news is, is like you said, they're kind of locked down in their own bubble. They're kind of doing their own thing, mm-hmm. so you got to really hand that to the staff. So that is going to do it for this edition of the Heel Tough Blog podcast. Again, we wish we were previewing a game. We wish we had some predictions for you, but uh, whenever Carolina gets back on the field. They will not lose this Saturday. So that's there all, you go. That's all that matters. Bold they're prediction. one and out. Bold prediction, man. Yeah. I, think, uh, I think there's also a chance that they don't lose next Saturday, yeah. too. So how about that? Uh, first three weeks of the season, we might not have to watch Carolina lose a game um, although we as we said uh, when we did our schedule breakdown which you guys can go back and watch that uh, a little more in depth uh, you know maybe skip over the part about Charlotte because now that doesn't really matter we think they're going to win plenty of games this year uh, so we'll end up uh, you know coming on here each week previewing the game that's coming up and re- recapping the game each week uh, same thing on the website of course if you guys want to go back relive that game against Syracuse which now you'll have a little bit more time to do you guys can go do that we have the Syracuse recap on the site we have the trench report on the site and we also have the stock report a really good insight on on everything a big focus uh, on the offensive line and all three of those articles about the concerns with them so make sure you guys go and check that out uh, as well as uh, some other stuff that could be on the horizon recruiting wise uh, as of right now nothing uh, set in stone yet but we do have some guys that seem to be closing in uh, on their commitments here sooner rather than later some big time targets so of course we'll always have you covered with that um, You know, we encourage you to like and uh, follow the Facebook page here so you don't miss any additions of the podcast we're on video now by the way wanted to mention that i am not wearing the same shirt that i've been wearing maybe see now i'm thinking that i have to wear that shirt each week right because i jinxed the team by not wearing the shirt today and they end up getting the game canceled on the way to me driving to the office so now i may have to wear the same shirt the rest of the season i mean i don't care what you wear i mean but we we are wearing the same shorts today this is a regular occurrence because we yeah, this have happens. a lot of the same wardrobe we no we almost exclusively have the same wardrobe i yeah. mean it's it's uh it's kind of scary actually but uh I, the the fact that this happens as often as it actually does we're twinning and we don't plan this. Like yeah. we literally, this is not. We're gonna call each other up and say, "Hey, man, we're gonna wear, you know, we're gonna wear the navy blue shorts today or whatever." No, we literally just walk in and we're like, "You've got to be kidding me! We are wearing the same thing again." I just uh, wear them because I think I, I feel like I look good in them. I feel like I look more appealing to the eye, so I'm more confident in these shorts. If you look more appealing to the eye in a pair of gym shorts than a pair of khakis, that's probably a problem. I mean, let's just say it defines certain areas of my body much better than other shorts. 
And we're going to have to cut that out of the podcast. <laughs> Holy. All right. So It highlights my leg. See, this is why we've got to have Carolina football to talk about. We are talking about your your bleached white man legs right now. That absolutely – that first of all, no one on camera can see. You want me to pull them up? No. Yeah, no, I'm not that flexible. No. We, so. definitely, we definitely need to end uh, this edition of the podcast. Um, of course, uh, you guys can watch each week here on the Facebook page. We encourage you guys, if you watch on the Facebook page, be interactive with us you know we don't we, we record this ahead of time um, so we won't be you know talking directly to you on the video but we are watching normally we'll you know respond back to you if you have any questions uh, if you want to talk you know about something just in general uh, please feel free to leave a comment down there below the video um, we really encourage uh, or we are really uh, happy that you guys have been uh, following along with us here these first few weeks that we've been on video you guys did a great job want to apologize for last week had some technical difficulties ended up having to kind of shift put the preview out the morning of the game this is of course going up a little bit earlier so uh, you guys can uh, you know get prepared now again there's no game this week but whenever we do these going forward they will be up uh, Fridays maybe even sometimes late Thursday nights so you guys can go ahead and check them out as opposed to Saturday and actually you know no video really just the wave lines um, on the screen but we hope you guys still enjoyed that um, for all of you guys listening on the Spreaker platform uh, as well as Apple Podcasts Google podcast any of those podcasting sites we are really thankful for you guys as well you guys have been with us since the beginning uh so we encourage you guys to of course rate review and subscribe to the podcast so that people that haven't been with us since the beginning can track down the podcast get all these great episodes hear everything uh, that we have to say uh and we uh, are really grateful for all of you guys who have watched and listened over these past couple of weeks the last thing i'll say before we get out of here to anyone that is in the way of hurricane sally we hope and pray that you are uh, doing well during this time stay safe make sure that you do everything that your local officials are telling you to do so that you can stay safe and continue to support Tar Heel football and everything around it uh, but for right now we'll say uh, so long uh, and as always go Tar Heels